Welcome to episode 77 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Um, I know that a couple times on here I have mentioned the website NewsELA or NewsELA, however people say it. Um, but and I found on there that there are really good articles and not so good articles, and you kind of have to sort through them. So when I find a good article, I like to share it with you guys. Um, so you can find it too and use it. So I found one recently that was titled, This Teenager is Developing a Video Game that Assesses Your Mental Health. So what it's about, which is also pretty cool, is and relates to kind of like the gamification of you know therapy and mental health is this teenager developed an idea to have a part of Minecraft that would it's already has like a story mode it's kind of like if you ever read the choose your own adventure books it's similar to that so it has like a set of questions would you do this or would you do that but she developed them so based on your answers it would um kind of flag kids who were at risk for having an anxiety disorder based on their answers. So it's a cool concept anyways, and it's a great article to use with students too. Uh, It has lots of like of those tier two vocabulary words like um, inaccessibility and stigma that has been really great to work with my students on uh, those students that I was doing uh, context clues. The thing I like about New Zealand too is when you adjust the levels, a lot of times it will stick those context clues in where it's like, oh, here's a word these, this level of student might not understand. So we're going to explain it after. Um, so that's a really good way to kind of use more contextualized, less worksheet-like Um, activities to do that. And I love being able to bring up subjects that I know my students are dealing with. I have a lot of students right now that have some heavy stuff that they've told me and are dealing with. And to be able to talk about, you know, mental health and like, let's, let's break the stigma on getting mental health care and dealing with anxiety and things like that. So it's been a really good article. And I also figured out how to save articles and create collections. So now I have kind of a video game collection of articles that I've found a couple different ones that had like the history of video games and they've all been high interest and uh, really good things to work on with my students. And you put those strategies that we've used into practice that they care about. That's well, first off, I, I love Newzella, if that's the right way to say it. Um, I think it's <laughs> wonderful. I've used it for, for several, for many weeks and, and for different kids I've worked with. Uh, on different occasions. And I just love being able to adjust the the language level. Uh, right. But yeah, it's sometimes, you know, the articles just aren't that, even though you can adjust the language level, they're just not that interesting to the kids because it's mm-hmm. not something they're relating to. But I think, yeah, finding some things about, um, about uh, gamification and, and developing the video game, especially, helping with mental health. That's also just a neat thing too. And, and getting kids uh, talking about those issues. And we, I, you know, we have 
couple of uh, preteens and teens that uh, I'm working with right now that, you know, they're uh, going through some really tough things. So um, it would be a great resource for them eventually. If this is, is that already been released? The one that was. So uh, it was just hers was just a prototype for it. So it's, it's an idea and a thought, but I think Mm -hmm. it's one that would be great for, you know, if it was developed for, you know, a screening program or something for schools to use to Mm -hmm. identify those kids who might need some extra help. I I think would be awesome. Mm -hmm. So how, what about those kids who are like uh, playing the games where they kill everybody? (laughs) So there's some interesting articles on that as well in there, because I have some students that have gotten on and as soon as they say, see things about video games, they're like, oh yeah, those are bad for you. They rot your brain. And then they sometimes have arguments with my other students, (laughs) but there's some interesting things that are on there too about mental health and that some, some, it might give them an outlet that's more constructive. Um, But I think the override, overall idea is that it doesn't make what was I heard a quote last night that it was um I think it was actually from it was in a murder podcast but the idea was that um uh, slasher films and other things that don't uh portray violence don't necessarily make people violent but right. they make give people that were already going to be violent <laughs> ideas of how to do that. But I don't know how right. we got off on that tangent, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> I think, I think there, just like anything, there is positive w- ways to use it and positive outcomes to it. And there are ways to abuse it also. Sure. Sure. And it, the only concern that, that, that I have with some of that is that it's so realistic now. And then when we get into right virtual reality and and all of that and 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 then it gets even more realistic and mm-hmm. um but yes i i don't think that people who play those video games or or kids are going to automatically have issues uh, yeah and i think for some it may be an outlet for them uh, but yeah. i agree yeah. uh, everything in moderation right and yep yep better so you you know the person who's coming on today right I do. We have interacted a couple times over the years and we, um, she is an employee at Presence Learning. I'm a contract um, employee at Presence Learning. And so we are going to hear about uh, the platform that now is available to the public that would like to subscribe to get the Presence Learning platform. And I really tried to hold back my personal <laughs> gushing <laughs> during mm-hmm. the interview of um, what I think of the platform that I've used for years. And I'm so excited that it's available for more wide use. So we're going to talk about that and some other things about telepractice with um, Kristen Martinez. Hi, it's Todd here at the 3C Digital Media Network. I'm here to let you know about some exciting changes coming to 3C, and I hope that you'll want to be part of it. We're moving our website onto the Learn Worlds platform. We should have this completed very soon. And when we are finally on the Learn Worlds platform, we'll be offering even more webinars and courses, as well as being able to provide more functionality 
in general to to all of our subscribers and, and people who visit our website. But we want to do all that, but we need you. We need you to help us out. We want to greatly increase the number of webinars and courses that we're offering. So if you have a webinar idea or a course that you'd like to offer, please send me an email at todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com and I will be in touch. Now, back to the interview. Hey, we want to welcome Kristen to the podcast. So Kristen, tell us about uh, your background and how you got into uh, being a speech-language pathologist and then into telepractice. Sure. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for having me on today. So I am now entering my 21st year as a speech-language pathologist, and um, it's it's hitting me. I Sometimes I have to stop and count to remember that, but um, I was pregnant with my first daughter when I was finishing up graduate school and she's turning 21 in two weeks. So <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, I'm, that number is hitting me hard. Um, so I was, I worked in my local school district. Um, you know, I started out actually um, as a psychology major. I had aspirations to be go into psychology, um, clinical psychology, and then I hit neuropsych as a senior um, undergrad and loved the class, loved learning about all of the functions of the brain and the anatomy and got to the language centers and was just fascinated by um, all of the things that had been controlling me my whole life and I had no idea. So um, that really shifted me and I decided to go into speech language pathology. So started out believing I wanted to go into working with adults, aphasia, um, TBI, really all of those very heavy, you know, brain neuro type areas. Um, and then at some point in grad school shifted, ended up doing some clinical work with children and preschoolers and, um, really felt that that felt very connected to, to that. So, um, I did end up going into the schools, uh, loved the variety of it, loved having, you know, no two days were really the same. Um, I could, I really appreciated the opportunity to work closely with other disciplines in the schools, um, did a lot of work in the preschool setting, a lot of um, home visits, uh, which I really loved. So spent a number of years in my school district in some private practice, and then really almost by accident, I was taking a little bit of a leave of absence um, to support some needs with my family um, one year and presence learning called me and had, and I didn't even remember that I had ever given them my name in any way, but they called and this was 2013 before I knew anyone doing teletherapy or even had any clue what it was. Um, but they had a need in Colorado. So I thought, sure, what the heck, I'll try it 10 hours a week. I can you know, and fully expected to go back to my school district position. And after about a month, um, just loved it. I felt I, you know, there were things that I didn't realize were, um, I think pulling my focus and attention in my physical school district job. Now that I look back, I think, well, of course I was doing, I was in four buildings and doing bus duty and lunch duty and recess duty and yep. this committee and that committee. And, which, cause it's all hands on deck in the schools and we want to help. Yeah. And so we say yes. And we join, um, and I started teletherapy. And of course the first thing I really felt was I was surprised at how connected I still was to my students. I got to know them. I didn't feel like there was this division, um, between us. 
Um, I saw them responding. We were making progress. And I felt more, I felt very refocused on my my job as an SLP. Um, I found myself actually having a little bit of time to do some research and read some articles and things that had been piling up for a long time. So it was, yeah, that was really it. I loved that position. Um, working as a teletherapist, I quickly, you know, when I was able to increased my hours. So I was full-time and uh, yeah, so that was kind of, that's been it. That was however many years ago, eight, nine years ago now, and I'm still here. So great. Yeah. And what's your role now at Presence Learning? So um, I have, I've been in a few different roles um, since my time with the company. Um, As I said, I was a treating therapist. I was at one point we had lead clinicians. I was a lead clinician. I was on the diagnostic team. So I really got um, some great experience in the beginning um, doing all of those pieces. And then I came on to the kind of employee side of things um, about five years ago and worked as a clinical manager. So supported districts, supported clinicians, um, had the opportunity to actually do on-site visits in different districts all over the country to help implement services, see what was going on. So it was really great experience. I loved doing all that. Um, the last two years I've served as clinical director for SLP and OT services. Great. That's awesome. And so you have a new product I know we want to get into uh-huh. what you guys are launching. So right. let's just talk about Therapy Essentials. Okay. How is that rolling out? Great. So um, just a very brief background for anyone who's not familiar with presence learning in general. We have you know, been around since 2009, so quite a while in the teletherapy space. And our traditional model up until about a year and a half ago was only to provide direct therapy services. So we contracted with SLPs, OTs, school psychologists, counselors, LCSWs, and then work with school districts to place and support services. Um, But the platform that our therapists have used all that time is our own proprietary platform. So developed, you know, improved over the past decade or more. So we had never made it available externally to other clinicians um, until March 2020. So that clearly was a time when we felt we had a resource that we could offer um, because obviously everybody was thrown into teletherapy, like it or not. And so many of our colleagues were struggling and just, you know, not knowing where to turn districts, didn't know what to use. So we were fortunately um, in a position that we had something that was already developed and we, um, you know, made that available. So that's what the therapy essentials product is, you know, basically is clinicians can, um, subscribe to our platform. And so they have access to all the tools, um, and the, the resources built into it. Um, and then there's, you know, a couple of tiers, they can either, either without the assessments or if they want to have the built-in assessments, um, because we do partner with uh, all the major publishers to have the digital integrated versions of assessments. So um, that was when I heard a lot of horror stories about um, either evaluations not being completed there for a while um, during COVID or, you know, SLPs doing the very best they could, but having to try to use hard materials there in front of them to deliver a tele-assessment. Right. Um, 
So I think those of us who've been doing this for a while, um, you know, it was, it was hard to see that and know that there's a better way. And we really wanted to try to train. I think several of us did trainings and webinars and all kinds of things we could to at least get information out there to our peers. Um, but you know, it's also something that we were able to offer through this therapy essentials platform, um, in terms of giving that option so that people did have really, you know, the best possible way to deliver an online assessment as well. Yeah. So I know about this platform because it's one I've used, but for our people that are listening, tell us how it's different from just Mm -hmm. hopping on zoom. Why would they want this instead of just Mm -hmm. doing zoom and getting on zoom to do teletherapy? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very good question. And I do know a lot of people have just become very comfortable with what they've been doing. And so it's like, don't make me, don't make me change again. Right. But you know, just to start the fact that, you know, our platform is not based in anything else. It again was built from the ground up, um, completely HIPAA for compliant, of course, but every, every feature was built for, has a clinical purpose. It was designed with the input of clinicians, um, input from our providers, um, over the years, because we wanted to have a tool that would make the experience of delivering therapy services, completing evaluations as close as possible as being right there in the room with our students. So there's really no fluff. Everything has a purpose. Um, for instance, uh, you know, some of it is just related to kind of attention behavior management. Um, I can turn off my student's mouse if they're a little distracted and they're just trying to click on things. I have some control over that. Um, I can turn off my student's video feed of themselves. Um, This was actually a feature that was built a few years ago from, I just figured out last night, by the way, yeah. And it's something I was like, we, sometimes there's just, we, we build so many things that even I sometimes like, okay, show me again. Like, what do we yeah, have now? Yeah, that's like, new what do, now. Yeah, what, it's new. <laughs> um, yeah. And this and originally came from our counselors because they had sometimes students who would come for counseling and didn't want to, they were upset by seeing their own image, their own video feed. And so our, you know, brilliant product and engineering team figured out a way for the therapist to turn that off. You know, the therapist never loses the student. The student still sees the therapist. They just can't see themselves. And so very quickly, you know, we learned that, well, that's also, again, great for some behavior management. If you've, if I've got some squirrely second graders and they're just trying to make each other laugh by making faces in the camera, I can shut that down for a bit. Um, But also with evaluations, you know, if you consider giving an articulation or fluency evaluation, we don't have a mirror there in front of our kids when we're doing it in person where they may become self-conscious and it may impact their response. So I can turn that off during an evaluation. um, And I feel that that even improves, you know, just the integrity of that evaluation. So, and we do have an activity library. There's the ability for therapists to upload their own materials. Um, So Anything that they like that they want to use, if they're partnering, collaborating with teachers and they want to integrate content from the classroom, vocabulary lists, reading passages, that can all be added um, and kept Mm -hmm. private for the therapist for their own use. Mm -hmm. Um, It's highly, um, it's all integrated and interactive. So Mm -hmm. I'm not having to pass the mouse control over to my student. They have it as long as I haven't turned off their ability to control it, but it's all very interactive. So games, um, you know, spinners and dice and visual timers, um, really great rewards 
that we can give out very quickly. Um, you know, I think, you know, Kim, the old version, we've had some very old, cute little stickers that fly across the screen that are wonderful for our preschoolers and kindergartners, but you know, our middle schooler and high schoolers roll their eyes and they're not terribly motivated. Um, so I love the gift feature because I right. can feel like, you know, a halfway cool. Um, yeah. well, and <laughs> I've used that just for vocabulary too, to right. have a quick way to show a child, uh, mm-hmm. you know, give them some visual experience mm-hmm. with a vocabulary word. Like yeah. I don't know, I was working on like prefixes and suffixes, even with my middle schoolers and I was like a biplane. What's a biplane? Well, none of them knew what a biplane was. Uh-huh. They were like two plane, <laughs> but they got yeah. kind of close. Mm-hmm. So I could just pull up a gif real quick. And there was a biplane, you yeah. know, flying across their screen. So mm-hmm. that's been nice for that. Right. Very quick too. visual reinforcement. Uh-huh. Right. So yeah, lots of just full whiteboard capabilities and, you know, the mm-hmm. ability to integrate things together. Um, but then another piece that I know a lot of our therapists, especially um, those who are newer and I think have already done some therapy on other platforms and got used to using, you know, other web-based material sources, we can, our platform also has site share and screen share. So I can go to a web-based program. For instance, if I'm working with a student who has an AEC device and, um, we're using cough drop for programming, I can bring the, I can log into cough drop on my computer pull that in through site share, have it pop up in the therapy room. So we can look at the screens and the interfaces that way. Um, but then I also have the ability to integrate my second camera and I can hold my document camera over my iPad with my cough drop app and we can same on the student side. So again, all of those features really help to individualize, which is always what we're doing um, in our line of work. So I think that again, people will not be you know, having to figure out hacks to do their therapy. I think it's yeah. more, it's actually already there and built in. Yeah. And so it's just, it makes your job easier <laughs> Yeah, I think when so you're too. trying to do this. Yeah. Yep. And I, that my first, ex- well, not my very first, my very first experience of doing teletherapy was with Todd <laughs> back long time ago. Um, but my first time working for a company and doing teletherapy, it was with presence learning. And mm-hmm. then I, you know, have worked in some other settings and with mm-hmm. other companies too. And I like realized that I knew how to do teletherapy within presence learning. Mm -hmm. And then I had to figure out how to recreate everything that I had been able to do in presence learning when I went to do other things. Like I had, I I don't know, um, taken it for granted that I could just quickly pull in a spinner and -hmm. not have to go to a separate website to find a spinner (laughs) to, to play a board game or things with my students. And then when you guys added that we could still do screen share, it just was like, it was like zoom plus it could do the Mm -hmm. things that zoom did plus others. So it's been, it's, it's a really nice program that I'm glad that there's a way for people to use it in private mm-hmm. in uh, private practice and yeah. things like that. I am too. I mean, I, it's something I've wanted to do for years. You know, I just right. I want I want to support clinicians. I want us to make their their lives easier um, and support ultimately the services that kids or adults and clients are getting um, and the quality of those services. And um, you know, and I, I would really be remiss if I also didn't mention because I think it is a huge clinical feature of what we offer is our, our tech support. 
Um, we do have an amazing support team that has, most of them have been with us for years and years. Um, we have Spanish bilingual team members. Um, they're always available between all school hours across all time zones. And you can be in a therapy session, um, as you know, Kim, and there's an in-room chat feature. And so, and that's same is true on the, on the client side, on the student side. So the goal is always that we keep sessions going, that we're not having to delay. We're not canceling. Um, of course, when you're working in the schools, getting those IEP minutes in is very important to the compliance for districts. And so we have this team that is um, not only are they highly knowledgeable and they're just great, they're very kind and patient. And I mean, I've been with a company for a long time and I still go to them and ask them what I'm sure they think are just ridiculous questions sometimes, <laughs> but it allows me to be an SLP and not feel like I have to be a tech expert to conduct therapy online. Um, so I really think that that is another significant benefit for anyone using our platform, because that's something we really fought to keep with all versions of the platform, regardless of the pay level, like what you're paying, um, is that tech support is having access to our team, um, within the, the therapy room. So, because I, I think it's just a fundamental, um, clinical support function, um, for anyone who's doing teletherapy. Yeah. And one that is unique to, yeah. to that platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you have two different tiers that mm-hmm. you can that a professional could look at right based on the assessments or not not having assessments mm-hmm. correct correct yes <clears throat> yeah and, and then, so yeah so i think it it gives people flexibility um because i know not everybody i think some people may have the option to do in person evaluations most of the time and so that's they won't they wouldn't need the assessments all the time but then others really do want that continual access. And then the subscription is either monthly or yearly. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we have, you know, we have different, there is a version that is available to school districts as larger entities where they may be looking at dozens um, of licenses and, you know, that is a different price point. And that also includes uh, live training. Um, So I do, um, did develop the training for that piece for our individual subscriptions. We really decided that we needed to have, you know, a price point that was more reasonable for individual private practitioners. Um, and, but so there's still resources. There are still, uh, we have a help center and there are any help center documents that relates to the platform and support that those are available. Um, so, you know, I, I'm hoping in future iterations that, that we can also make live training available as kind of an add-on if anybody wants to join or needs additional clinical support. But um, I think a lot of people are, there's some kind of built-in tutorials as you go into the platform for these private practice users. And um, for the most part, I think people are able to start with those, play around a little bit and really get started with their therapy sessions. So it's really the you know, from, from A to Z, what you need in one, one package, mm-hmm. the essentials, right? <laughs> for yeah, doing the teletherapy. We believe so. Yeah. Right. I, we hope so. We hope that it really is, um, again, therapists not having to scramble, um, that they can really pretty much get started pretty quickly, do a therapy session, um, 
start with what we have in the library. And then as, you know, if they want to add more of their own materials, they can, um, but they, you know, I mean, we, we SLPs are pretty creative and, um, you know, you can create a game out of the stamps and shapes and, you know, on the fly, we have the ability to create, you know, I can create a, a memory type game in about two minutes before, before a session, if I want to target something very specific and it's interactive. And so, you know, I do think that people can hit pretty much hit the ground running, um, without a lot of needing a lot of extra training, um, in order to use the the platform. Yeah. And I like the library has a great search features too. I mean, Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes when I'm looking through other libraries or like looking through resources, I'm like, well, I might as well just go to Google because this isn't working any better than that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. that has a lot of features where you're able to find, you know, uh, separate it by like grade or population that you're looking for or the specific goals that you're looking for. So it's really there's a lot in there and you also can find it when you need to find it mm-hmm. the way that it's set up. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. When we're always, um, you know, seeking out content creators and partnering with publishers and, you know, really always wanting to just improve what's available um, for, for our therapists and make their, make their jobs easier. So as, so as we add those pieces, um, you know, they will be available to our providers, but also subscribers, you know, if they're using the platform, they'll see things added. Um, we also offer specifically for our platform users, we do have a Facebook group, um, that platform users can join and we can, we share updates and we have a separate newsletter that goes out to platform users. So it really, we, we needed a way to communicate basically every, you know, every time we add something or something's new and improved, we needed to be able to tell them. So we've kind of added some of those support features. Sounds, sounds incredible. And I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. So I know Kim has had the experience with it, but I, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to having a chance to take a look at it at some point. Mm-hmm. Great. So, Kristen, you, you've had obviously a very unique position in, in mm-hmm. with the company, but also being able to see around the country, you know, how telepractice has continued to evolve. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we, we all had to deal with COVID and a lot of people having to, you know, deliver services through telepractice. And now it's kind of swinging back, you mm-hmm. know. However, I, I love... I would love to get your impressions on or your uh, thoughts on how you see telepractice going forward now that mm-hmm. we're coming through COVID maybe <laughs> right? and uh, sort of coming back to normal in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you see? So, yeah, I think that's the, the big question. Um, but obviously, hopefully last year was an anomaly in terms mm-hmm. of the extreme version of, of everyone having to do everything at a distance. Um, I don't think any of us, even in the world of teletherapy ever saw that as like the ideal state. Um, but I do think that it certainly opened a lot of people's eyes to the possibilities and to the potential effectiveness. Now I've also, we've, I think we're, we're always getting a little pushback from some who maybe had a bad experience. They didn't have support. They didn't have training. They didn't have resources really to do it well and to feel confident in that. And so there are some who are, you know, have maybe sworn off um, the service delivery model, but I I absolutely think that it, things have shifted, um, that there will be an ongoing need 
in across all settings um, to different degrees, depending on what's going on. Um, you know, prior to COVID, um, we've worked with school districts that have significant school closures because of weather. And they were already starting to look at models where at least related services could be continued. And so students weren't missing their intervention and their therapy minutes um, through doing in-home services. And so there were some kind of forward-thinking districts already kind of wrapping their minds around the possibilities there. Um, as we all know, there have, you know, have been over 10, 15 years now, chronic shortages um, among SLPs, OTs, really all related service disciplines. And that's not changing. Um, we're seeing that gap widen even more um, as we see the number of graduates coming out of programs. And not only the number of graduates and, of course, the growing need, um, the numbers increasing in special education and um, people needing services, but also the number of people who are not returning to maybe their rural areas. They are going to school and moving more into urban centers. So there's just this disparity. Um, you know, we know that's why telepractice exists. It's all about access, um, access and equity and bringing, bringing quality services to everyone, regardless of their geography or who they may physically have um, in their area. So I, I think that we will see a lot more creativity around how teletherapy is utilized, implemented. Um, for instance, we also have worked with school districts to, um, you know, for the, they're using the platform now alone um, within their district so that their therapists don't have to drive so much. They're not driving to these very far out schools all the time, or at least not always. Maybe they're doing some of the sessions from their home office. Um, I, I used to be, I had a couple of mountain schools when I was working in my, my district here in Colorado, and it was a pretty good chunk of my time each week. I was probably six, seven hours in the car um, to serve, you know, probably eight or nine students on my caseload. Um, and, you know, I think that as we look at efficiencies and budgets, I think it's, again, being creative about maybe how we can integrate and balance some in-person, some teletherapy services. Um, but I'm, I'm really, I'm excited to see more people who are asking about it and, um, and I think pushing us all to improve and to innovate and um, see what more we can do, you know, in terms of really leveraging the technology. Um, you know, I have, you know, I would just love to see someday when my, our students who do have those AAC devices um, or are using eye gaze who can directly interface with a platform and not need, don't need a, a, a support person, a facilitator necessarily. They um, have much more independence in being able to um, engage via teletherapy. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm really excited to see what technology can continue to do. Um, virtual reality, I think, has some really awesome possibilities. Um, we've done a little bit of work with some companies who are using VR technology specifically with students with autism. Um, and that's really exciting. There's some really cool things happening. So yeah, so I'm, I'm feeling very optimistic. And um, I, you know, I think that there's, it's, we are, I, I don't feel that we are, really making the argument now the same that we were doing um, a decade ago, um, even even five years ago, that this is viable, that it's effective. I, I feel like for the most part, we are over that hump. Um, and it's more, you know, I get much more many, I get specific questions now from therapists about, well, how do you work with 
this student population or um, this age group and, you know, really very clinically directed questions, um, not just kind Rather of than the, how would you even do is, that? How would you even <laughs> do that? What I would That's get. crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Or, you know, my very first, um, when I first started presence learning, I will never forget. Cause again, I was, I was excited. I was so enthused and thought it was just fantastic. And then, um, I went to my first IEP meeting and the resource teacher who was case managing and leading the meeting got to me and, you know, and her introduction was, we no longer have a real SLP, but here's Kristen. <laughs> so. You know. just plays one on TV on the computer <laughs> monitor. Well, that's funny. <laughs> yes. My, my student, my student loans say otherwise. So. <laughs> so, you know, I think that there's less of that where we're just flat out having to defend the quality of right. what we're doing, um, which is nice. It's a better place to be. I think where we really can get into more sophisticated conversations about services and how we um, can really you know, just benefit people out there who need, they need quality services. They need, they need support and we should stop arguing about, um, you know, whether this is the right way to deliver services and realize that it is another way that it is Mm -hmm. an alternative modality, um, which, you know, I think the next, the next hurdle is regulatory, um, continuing to, we, I think we saw a lot of waivers during COVID, um, and unfortunately, some states are ending those um, yep. rather than making them permanent. And so yep. that's another another part of what you know we're doing at Presence Learning is um, some trying to influence and be involved in working on um, hopefully making some of those permanent and you know advocating for just the profession as a whole um, for all of us who are trying to deliver services this way. I remember reading not too long ago where, forget who it was, I'm about to find the reference now, but uh, this this guy wrote a little article about um, making some predictions around healthcare. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, he was predicting that in the next five years, that probably 65 to 75% of speech pathology, OT, PT, will probably be doing, um, delivering those services through telehealth. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that because when um, before COVID, uh, several articles I was reading that you know all these uh, hospital CEOs were polled and asked, you know, what is your number one sort of uh, investment area? Mm-hmm. And it was all it was by far telehealth was number one across right. the board in terms of where they were planning and putting resources. Mm-hmm. And then of course COVID hit. But, yeah. you know, and so I think, I think if, uh, if you're not doing it, <laughs> you're going to be doing it soon right? Uh, or at some point more than likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's always, um, you know, I've really enjoyed in my job to have the opportunity to work with, um, you know, a handful of, of special education directors who really were, I think, visionary for, um, and, you know, and I, and I, all of them, I believe really came from rural areas where they were having to deal with covering wide geographic areas and having students who were just going non-served, underserved chronically. And, um, they've done some really amazing, amazing things. And, you know, now I think everyone is looking to them and they're saying, oh, you know, you did this four years ago, tell me how you did it and how has it worked out. And so that's been, 
um, really interesting to see some shifts there on the education side, at least. Well, it's all very exciting, and mm -hmm. and the platform sounds great, and and it's you know so it's going to open the doors for more people, more clinicians and, mm -hmm. and professionals to to enter telepractice if they're not already doing it right. with the support they need and and all the bells and whistles. So that's mm -hmm. that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I and I love the fact that I get to be a part of it and help. You know, I think with because this is really our first iteration of this version of the platform. And I, you know, I do this is a new audience. We are now working with clinicians who are in private practice who may not be involved in schools at all. And there are different needs. There are some things that are different. So, you know, I also really look forward to the developments that are going to happen um, that I think will be created specifically now for this group of professionals who, um, you know, just isn't who has been our target audience um, up until now. But, uh, we, you know, we want to make sure that people who are doing, who are in clinic settings, university settings, um, private practice have the same level of support and tools that they need as, you know, we've given to our providers who are working with the schools. I think it's, I think it's admirable that vision of what you're, what you just said, uh, just to make sure everyone has access to a great platform with the supports to be successful. So, well, Kristen, I know the platform is important presence learning is important, but really the reason why we have you on the podcast is to ask you some different questions. Okay. <laughs> so I'm ready. <laughs> this, this is what we call our moment of Zen. So you can answer in any way you want. Uh, you can have long answers or short answers. You can elaborate or not. So it's up to you. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. What's the most used app on your phone? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, probably Google. Um, second to that would probably be Slack because I use it for work all the time. So it's my... Always connected to my job in yeah. that way. <laughs> and, and staying connected and communicating, right? Yes, yes. Uh, what was the last TV series you streamed? Um, my, oh God, now I'm going to forget the name of it. I've been watching, oh, um, Kim's Convenience. That's what oh, I've been yeah. watching. Yeah, I've been watching That's that one with my daughters, which has been really, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> Canadian, it's a Canadian show, right? It is a Canadian yes. show. Yeah. Yep, up in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just need to laugh really hard. That <laughs> it is one to turn on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of um, you know plenty of dark and edgy stuff out there, so it's yep. nice to have a bit of an antidote to that. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> very true. What's a favorite book? Hmm. Um, oh, I'm terrible. Tell them, talk about word finding. This is, um, there is a memoir I wrote and holy cow, it's going to drive me crazy if I can't think of the name of it. Um, and I'm not, it's about a, a woman who, um, really grew up in, had to self-educate herself. Um, Is it educated? But, Was yes, that the one? Yes. <laughs> and it wasn't that hard a name. Thank you, Kim. Yep. Yes. <laughs> that, um, that story is set about 
probably 15 miles from where I grew up. Is so it? Okay. It was very interesting to uh-huh. read. Oh my gosh. Fascinating and inspiring. And, you know, I told, I told my, I have three daughters and um, anytime they started to complain about school, like I have a book for you. <laughs> if you would like to read this. <laughs> yeah. It's an incredible story. Yeah. So you had to walk in the snow uphill both ways you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, every day. So, um, so a good book. Uh, what's, what's your favorite genre of music? Oh boy. Um, I'm really eclectic. So that's a little difficult. Um, lately I've been very doing a lot of, um, I have a history of dance, like growing up in that and over kind of post COVID, I got a little bit back into that, but I grew up in ballet and this is much more just for fun type of, um, dance, like these classes. Um, so really kind of dance, dance music, like it's been sort of, um, just poppy, like fun. So I listen to that and then I switch over to jazz and <laughs> listen to that too. So yeah, it's, it's, I, it runs the gamut, but I guess that's been my trend lately. That's exciting. Getting back into <laughs> dance. Yeah. That's cool. Um, who would you like to have dinner with dead or alive? Um, oh man. Um, yeah. Don't mean to make this too personal, but my dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I lost my dad four years ago, so he'd be the first. <laughs> good. Good. That's nice. Um, What's the most exotic or the farthest place you've ever been? Oh, um, the farthest would be, I'm sure, um, Europe, Germany, um, Switzerland. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know about terribly exotic, but um, very interesting. And yeah, that's probably as far as I've been. I have aspirations to do much more, but one of these days. (laughs) Awesome. Um, what's the scariest thing you've ever done? And you can define scary in any way you want. Um, I think probably one of the scariest was, um, I, there was a period where I left work to, um, be home with my daughters full time, at least my first two and coming back, going back into speech language pathology, um, after some time away and, I was sure I was just going to have no idea what I was doing anymore and was going to be so behind. And so I remember reading my praxis study guide and all of these other (laughs) things because I was just trying to bone up again. And, um, you know, I quickly, very quickly fell back into it, but, um, that was a very intimidating moment. Um, because I think that, yeah, we have a lot of the, any of, any of us, um, especially I think us, we moms who have done that at any point and, you know, you really get into your brain just shifts to baby mode. And you're thinking about about things that are very different than your previous professional life. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was hard. That was, that was a challenge. And, um, but obviously it was what I wanted and needed to do, but it was, it was a little scary and intimidating for sure. Our, Our number one answer on that is somewhat related. It's having children was the scariest thing. (laughs) (laughs) We've gotten that answer quite often. Yeah, yeah. Um, What is a pet peeve of yours? Um, Pet peeve when, I guess like when people 
drive the wrong way down a shopping parking lot aisle <laughs> coming oh, right yeah, at me because yeah. they're going uh-huh. the wrong direction. So right. I don't have a ton. I'm not a huge pet PV person, but yeah, that's when I just shake my head. I'm like, it's very clear what direction you're supposed to go <laughs> with your car. <laughs> yeah, that's that's frustrating. I, I, I agree. Um, if you didn't choose your current profession, what profession would you like to try? Oh, um, I've, a, there's a couple like realistic. Um, I, I could have seen go, you know, going more the psychology, but even social work mm-hmm. route. Um, one of my favorite things to do when I was working in the schools was, um, there was a social worker in one of my buildings, um, that was funded through the McKinley grant and, we did um, a lot of home visits working with students who were identified as um, homeless. And I, I really just loved that whole child working with a family. Um, you know, I was, I was also there to support communication, um, but, you know, just to, to understand how poverty and all of these other pieces were influencing everything that child did throughout their day um, was just so powerful. So I love that. Um, my my other just completely alternative universe um, would be a chef. So I do love I love to cook, and you know, someday I'm going to run off and go take cooking classes in France or Italy. So <laughs> my my wife would child join style. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wife keeps thinking um, buy one of those one dollar houses in Italy and just uh-huh. go over there and fix it up and right. get some training and. I know. I mean, yeah, I feel like it happened in under the Tuscan sun. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. not too mm-hmm. far out there. <laughs> yeah. I would have to um, make sure she's not out stalking um, George Clooney in Lake Como, there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. which she did before when we had a conference there and she was out stalking, trying to uh-huh. find him. Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So. I'm, plan- I'm hoping to have a trip to Italy um, in two summers with my, with my mom and my kids and my, my family. And one of our stops will be Lake Como. So I will be yeah. on the lookout. So I That's can beautiful place. send you a yeah. note if we <laughs> please, track him down. Please. Well, as, as a quick aside, have you, have you seen the morning show uh, on Apple TV? Yes. Yes. And I haven't finished it, but yes, I have. Seen and you've seen the current several. season. Um, no, not yet. I'm behind. So I'll just say that in the current season, mm-hmm. they film in Lake Como. Oh, okay. Then I definitely need and to start working on it. So you can <laughs> plant that in the back, you know, keep that in the back and go take a uh-huh. look at it. Okay. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh my goodness. Um, I guess I would like to hear that there is a plan to end suffering and, um, you know, truly bring peace to, to everyone. So. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Kristen, thank you for, for indulging us on the, on our questions. <laughs> uh, it just helps us get to know everyone a little bit better and right. people seem to enjoy it. So, how can uh, practitioners or, or professionals learn more about Therapy Essentials? Mm-hmm. Uh, just go to the Presence Learning website? Or yes. Yep. They can go to the, the Pre- Presence Learning website. Um, there's links right from the, the homepage to get more information. Um, yeah. And they can either 
choose to speak with someone, ask questions or, you know, try it, try it out for a month and see what they think. So yeah, there's lots of options. Um, they can just head over there. Well, thank you for joining us. It's been wonderful. It's been really nice to talk with you both. Well, that was Kristen Martinez from Presence Learning. And we have something special for you guys who are listening to this podcast. Presence Learning very generously has given us a free one-year subscription to the Therapy Essentials platform. That's right. So we're going to be able to give away a one-year subscription to the Therapy Essentials platform that Kristen was just talking about. So this is how you can enter into this drawing, this contest. You go to the 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com website, find podcasts, and under podcast, you will see Telepractice Today. You can leave a comment there discussing or mentioning the Therapy Essentials platform. That's all you have to do. Mention the platform, Therapy Essentials platform. And we will enter you into the podcast. Excuse me, into the contest. Also, you can enter the contest by going to the Telepractice Today Facebook group page. So go to the group. If you haven't signed up for the group, go ahead and do that. And then you can leave a comment about this episode. Talk about the Therapy Essentials platform and what you like to do with it. That's all you have to do is mention the Therapy Essentials platform from, te- from Presence Learning, and we will enter you into the contest. So the contest will go for two weeks until, let's see, 11... Today, this will be aired. This will be posted. This episode will be posted on Monday, November 8th. So on the 8th through midnight on Friday, November 19th. So we're going to leave this open for two weeks. If you've heard, uh, just listen to the podcast and it's not, um, it's well before the uh, November 19th. Go ahead and go to 3C Digital Media Network under podcasts and telepractice today. Leave a comment or go to our Facebook group page, telepractice today, Facebook group page. Leave a comment about the Therapy Essentials platform from Presence Learning. And we will make a drawing that weekend of the 19th and let everyone know in that Uh, week's following episode. So we'll let everyone know who the winner is. So with that, go ahead and once you hear this, go ahead and and make the comment and get involved in this contest. We want to make sure that this platform goes to someone who's really, really interested in wanting to do telepractice or expand their telepractice in some way. So I think this will be a great opportunity to do that. And so with that, thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Until then, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.